welcome to Message Received. In this Coffee Break episode recorded earlier in the year, we welcomed Itzia Kanamasas, who spoke to Tim about vertical growth. Passionate about leading high-performing teams to commercial success, Itzia strives to stimulate growth by developing people and teams. Hello and welcome to Message Received. I'm your host, Tim Ferguson. I'm so thrilled to be with you today and with Itziar Kanamasis. I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. There's a lot we're going to explore under the really intriguing title of vertical growth. And I'm not sure vertical growth in this case means what you might think it means, listeners. So let's dive right into it. Itziar, welcome to Message Received. Thank you so much for the invitation. We like to begin with what we call the highlight reel. What do we need to know about you in order to locate you and understand where you're coming from? I'm originally from a town close to Barcelona. I'm a mother of an eight-year-old son. I am married uh, for 20 years. Uh, I have a PhD in tumor genetics, and I've been working for Bayer, a life sciences company, also for the last 20 years. And it's been a tremendous journey of growth, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about it uh, a little bit more. On a personal note, I love being in nature, being with my family and friends. Um, I like to meditate and uh, do yoga and read and do music, sing with my son, play the piano. And I'm a football fan, uh, an FC Barcelona fan. Very interesting. What is vertical growth? So why don't you, I'll hand you the microphone and you just expound. So for me, what vertical growth means is the conscious application of interventions that will allow for growth to happen. And I reinforce the word conscious. Why do I say that? How many times any of us finish the day and think, oh my God, today was wonderful. I've made such an impact. I've helped that person or I felt I've grown a lot. But very few of us really stop to reflect why did that growth momentum happen? What was the environment? What did I do? What did the other person do? So that ultimately, through that reflection, you're able to understand it and for yourself, potentially apply it in the future because you understand that this intervention has enabled for that growth to happen. And so the concept of vertical growth is as if you see a ladder of steps that because you're applying those interventions more and more often, you're growing much faster than if you basically go through life or through your work without consciously applying it. You'll grow. All humans grow. We all evolve. It's just it will not happen at that rapid pace and you will potentially not be maximizing your potential impact that you could have in the world. But part of it, it sounds like, is around being consciously competent. So rather than just how are things going? Oh, my career is going well. I'm developing. I'm growing. How are you doing it? I don't know. I just come to work and work. It's like, well, no, let's let's take some time out and deconstruct it. Why did that work? Why did that go well? Is, is this correct? Yes. And it's not only for career. It's for your own personal growth, for the growth of teams for the, or collectives in general. It doesn't have to be work-related and for the growth of organizations. And there's three different elements or enablers that I've developed that help me better understand how to apply those interventions, right? The first one, it's all about connectedness. And the second one, it's about purpose. And the third one is about curiosity. And it's like a three by three matrix, right? So as you could do connection, 
purpose and curiosity and apply interventions on yourself and your team, collective you belong to, and in the organization that you have, and if you're lucky to, to lead or, or be able to make an impact. You call yourself a vertical growth enabler, an innovator, and the head of oncology at EMEA Bayer. How do those go together? Is your day job vertical growth enabler? Or is your day job, hey, head of oncology for the region? How do you see it when you wake up in the morning? When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I reflect always on is how grateful I am to be where I am. And then I recall my purpose, which is to enable breakthroughs for a better world. And then I have a practice of reflecting how can I best apply which interventions to make sure that I'm going to be ruling my impact throughout the day to maximize my purpose. If I'm enabling that growth, I mean, I'm labeling it now vertical growth, but before I labeled it vertical growth, it's just this routine of really looking at how can I make the best possible impact because that's what my calling is. That's the legacy I like to live in this world. And I look for ways on how can I maximize it. It's not one or other. It's just all all together. It's a way of living. Integrated. Exactly. When you get to work, whether that's virtually or in person, and you're speaking with your colleagues, is this what you're talking about or is it in the background? What are your conversations like? So it will depend on which is the forum that I'm in. So for example, if it's specifically with my team and we are on our weekly operational meeting, right? We have a routine that it's designed to allow for connection, to be really effective, to really be fast, adaptive, make decisions, and all of it to happen within one hour, right? So I'm applying a framework that enables that vertical growth or that enables that growth and impact on the collective in the most rapid fashion. If it is on a one-on-one, right? Always I look to first create that connection to see how people then are. And then it's different depending on the person that is in front of me. So it's almost like an operating system for your for yourself and then also now for your team. And are, are you talking about connection and purpose and curiosity in an explicit way with the team? How explicit are you about this approach with your team? So first of all, vertical growth is a fairly recent label that I found to it. Personally, I've been on this growth, strong growth journey for the last four years. And it all started, number one, by finding who I am. So having a great coach in Ireland to apply ultimately, in my case, the Enneagram tool at the same time. We were working with the Irish team to future-proof the organization. We wanted to understand how do we need to design an organization to ultimately continue to be successful in a world that it's constantly changing. And the concept of agility and the concept of purpose came up and uh, basically start applying that journey of purpose first on myself. We then decided to apply that concept to the entire organization. So all of the teams were asked to work on their purpose. Each employee was given the chance to develop their own purpose. And that was just the beginning of, at the end of that journey. There were many other interventions on that journey too. We established self-organized culture committees. We created a flexible work policy pre-COVID. We asked and gave the freedom for each and every employee to learn for two hours, not on SCP, but to dedicate two hours of learning every week. And after about the period of six months, I was still looking for the operating system 
to transform the way of working. And at that time, I read on a fantastic book. I don't know if you've uh, heard from Frederick Laloux. Um, reinventing and organizations. Reinventing organizations. And at the same time, also found an external partner that had developed a system called adaptive governance. And I just went back to my team and I said, look, I think that this is what we're going to need. Do you trust me to try it? If it doesn't help us, then we just basically kill it. And if it helps us, then we can continue to experiment. And I still remember it was uh, October 2019, and it made such an impact that we basically decided we're going to integrate it into the entire organization. And by the time I left Ireland, we had transformed into circular organization applying this operating system it sounds like you started with yourself that you yes. no one told you to do this you said you know what i want to have a more purpose-driven life or i want to be growing i want to develop myself this started to have an impact on your immediate team around you the immediate team as they were also getting breakthroughs or also feeling that they were developing then they're feeling better and better about it then you said we need to take this to another level. We need an operating system. And you found reinventing organizations. And suddenly you had a blueprint to work with to scale it. Is that a, a fair description? Yes. Uh, the only thing I would add is you make it sound as if it's all very linear. No journey is linear. When you look back, it looks so linear, right? If transformation sounds like it's an organizational change, but the the leader's heart has not been transformed. The leadership team's spirit has not been transformed. Then it just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But it sounds like your transformation began with yourself from within. And I love the fact that you're putting the emphasis on living it versus talking about it. And this is so important because in particular, when you're trying to transform a collective, you need to enable people to connect and to experience and to truly awaken that curiosity, right? So I always describe it that it's like as if someone is describing chocolate to you, but you've never tasted chocolate. Is oh my gosh, then chocolate is so amazing. You're going to have an explosion of flavors and it's so great and it's black and it can be this color and that. But until you don't put it in your mouth and you taste it, you're not going to know. And so at least my Learning has been exactly what you're saying, storytelling, living it, but then also create interventions in that transformation that will make people feel the impact a little bit even to make them curious and want to go together with you. That's so crucial. I think also leading by example, again, it comes back to just live it and people will either look at it and think they want it as well, or they'll look at it and think it's not for them. It's almost like you can't really tell anyone what to do. Am I right? Yes. And another big learning over the years is not everyone is going to want to taste your chocolate. <laughs> and be very, very conscious of spending your energy on those that want to taste it. Give a chance to those that don't want to taste it, but don't waste your energy in trying to bring everyone along. And that for me was a big aha moment. Actually, it was uh, Greg Sattel. I don't know if you know him. He's written wonderful books and he, he has experienced that. And for me, since I listened to his podcast, I've been consciously applying it because as a person, I'm super inclusive. I like to make it right for everyone and bring everyone on board. It will not happen. And don't waste your energy on those that don't want to come along with you. Focus your energy on making that transformation and change happen on those that want. I think that's one of those things that 
can be easier said than done because of our emotion and sometimes our ego. So I find that when, you know, I'm beating the drum on a new idea or a new initiative, it's disappointing or even uh, embarrassing or you feel like you have failed because not everybody is on board, because not everybody agrees, because not everybody wants to, to be excited about what you're excited about. And I feel like on a very primal emotional level, I feel set back. If you ever experienced this, what do you do to get yourself back on track and, and feeling like, hey, it's okay, I, I can't, not everyone's going to get on board and that's okay. How do you do, deal with it emotionally? Number one, I always go through life thinking that everyone wants to be their best. So I give it really a try to connect and understand why they are not on board. The second thing also is, as I said, the realization that that not everyone will be and that automatically say, okay, it's life. Move on and focus on making the impact on those where you really can make an impact. The third thing which is a solution that allows the growth of the organization is to relay the culture and the solution finding to everyone. The experiment we tried in Ireland, we just said, okay, we as an organization think that these are the areas where we could maybe be better. Who would want to volunteer into going into those areas and see what can be done in order to make something happen? It was incredible. First of all, the results improved a lot in the following years. Why? Because they were the ones really developing the culture. When you yes. say the results, do you mean both internal and external? Like, like, is this leading to sales? Is this leading to improved financial performance as well as relationships with customers, as well as good feelings within the team and high empowerment scores on, on surveys? Like, When you say results, what do you mean? In this example I was giving, it was on the culture piece, so on the survey of culture. The entire transformation interventions I was talking about is, yes, we delivered continuous growth of our market in the years that I was there with an increase in profitability. And also, we measured our agility attributes and were able then not only to improve them, but we also completely reduce the trapped attributes like backstabbing politics, um, things are happening that I don't know, right? Overall, yes, we did measure and we did improve across all levels. What a huge and satisfying accomplishment. Incredible. So anyone listening who thinks this is all just a nice emotional talk, it has a business application. Last set of questions that I'd like to get into is around doing this at scale. So you've been mentioning working in Ireland and uh, on a country level, and now I understand you're in a regional role mm -hmm. for all of EMEA, and therefore applying what your, your concepts here, you're doing them now on a different scale. Any insights from, from that transformation or tr that transition rather? Yes, and that was one of the intriguing parts of me switching to that regional role. So uh, we experimented in applying that different way of working at three different levels in the region. I applied it then on my own team. I applied it then into the regional leadership team, as well as then also for one of the launch teams from the biggest asset for us in oncology and region EMEA. And with all the learnings I had had, went there with open eyes. While the framework was basically the same, the application of it was slightly different depending on the group 
and the purpose and the goals that you were wanting to achieve. And the transformation again, because I measured it, understanding what it was uh, has been incredible. We improved efficiency, connection, speed of value solutions by just shifting the way we work, by connecting those collectives, by energizing them in a different way. The language that you use is very interesting to me. You talk about uh, experimentation, the sense of not really knowing how it's going to go, but being willing to try. The feeling of when you talk about self-organizing, it's almost like watching your garden come up in the spring, curious as to see what's there. What's, what is the relationship between learning and experimentation and this kind of approach of, of vertical growth? So for me, the third enabler is curiosity and learning and experimentation. I group this aspect, which is crucial, under this third element. Yeah. So curiosity is this wanting to learn, relearn, unlearn each and every day, having an abundance mindset, a growth mindset, experimenting. Not wanting to plan for it to be perfect, but just deciding on the best next step. Applying interventions and techniques that allow you as a collective to make that happen. So absolutely, this is so important. And it's even more important in today's world where everything changes so fast that either we are not constantly adapting ourselves and our organizations or we're just not going to succeed. And for those looking for certainty, saying... It's, Sarah, this all sounds really interesting, but my boss needs certainty or my senior management wants to know, will this work 100%? Can we get this done in three months or can we get this done in how, like, or how much will this cost? So for people who are looking for that, what's your response to them? How do you manage those kind of pushbacks? So if you have leadership that really is so controlling and is not there in enabling that kind of experimentation and transformation, then it will be very difficult. And then I would say, if this is something very dear to you and you want to make it happen, then maybe look for a space in an environment where this will be possible. But I would like to challenge that also, because I do believe, and I've experienced it in my 20 years at a big pharma company, that all of us have a certain sphere of influence. So it may not be that you're going to be able to make it happen in everything that you do, but maybe there's something that you really control. If you have the energy to be a rebel and to be that change agent of the organization, there's always a way. And like you said, it starts with yourself, right? Be the change you wish to see in the world. If you can do it, then someone else can do it. And they, they'll watch you enjoying your chocolate and say, oh, I want some of that. That looks pretty good. This yes. has been a wonderful conversation and I wish we could go on, but all, all good things come to an end. We always end with a question and the question is our podcast is called Message Received. So for those listeners who are, you're going to give one takeaway message, what message do you want to make sure they receive from our conversation today? Everything is possible. Gain clarity of who you are. What do you want? and engage your curiosity to achieve it. Well, you've definitely engaged our curiosity. And I think that you've helped us focus on purpose, what's, what's important to us. And we've definitely made a great connection with you on, on the podcast today. So thank you again for taking the time and look forward to seeing you in Basel sometime soon. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Message Received. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please watch out for the next one in the series, High Performing Cultures with Deborah Abbott.